change starts today. So let's get after it. The verse of the day is from the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 5, verse 20. From the heavens the stars fought. The stars in their courses fought Sisera. I don't think that requires any further explanation. So let's go to this. We're looking at character strengths, at virtues. In the ancient world, the Greco-Roman world, there were what were called four cardinal virtues. This goes back apparently to Plato, certainly Aristotle. Courage, prudence, temperance, and justice. And then to this, the church added what are sometimes called the theological virtues. You might know them from 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. So these seven great virtues were often considered uh, the core of good character and of a flourishing life. In the ancient world, they called those four virtues the cardinal virtues. Apparently, the word cardo in Latin has to do with the hinge, like a good life hinges on those. Now, we're learning together to identify also our signature character strengths. If you haven't done that yet, you can go online to Via Survey, find out from all 24 character strengths. Top five or so are probably your signature ones. It was very interesting when my cousin Tiffany and her husband Cam were over a little while ago. We were talking about what are your top signature strengths and then what are your bottom ones. And what we're going to talk about today, I will almost guarantee you did not find yourself thinking, man, I hope this is at the top of my list. And it is the character strength prudence. But oh my goodness, do you need it? And can you practice it today? This is from a a uh, terrific article by Alan Guelzo. He's an American historian, uh, great historian, particularly of Abraham Lincoln, Civil War and Reconstruction. This is what he writes. Say the word prudence to the ancients, and you would have named a virtue. Say it to the faculties of American college in the 19th century, you would have described part of the philosophy curriculum. Say it today, and you've made a joke. Prudence carries with it today the connotation of prude, a person of over-exaggerated caution, bland temperance, hesitation, a lack of imagination and will, a person who walks with tentative steps. There used to be a comedian on Saturday Night Live, Dana Carvey, and he became quite famous for doing an impersonation of then-President George W. Bush, where what he would say over and over again is, not going to do it not going to do it, wouldn't be wise, wouldn't be prudent. And a lot of people have this misconception that a prudent person is somebody who avoids taking risks or is always cold or calculating. Guelzo goes on, this would have surprised the classical philosophers who thought of prudence as one of the four cardinal virtues and who linked it to shrewdness, exceptionally good judgment, and the gift of some French phrase, coup d'oeil, the coup of the eye, which could take in the whole of a situation at once and know almost automatically how to proceed. So prudence is at its essence a commitment to an orientation that's based on reality. It is involved particularly with the capacity to make good decisions and to think, not just do I have good intentions with this, but what are the results of this going to be? What will the actual consequences going to be for real people? So parents desperately need the gift of prudence. If you're involved in the world of business, if you have a job, if you work with 
um, food, if you do chores, if you're in a household, you need the gift of prudence. And when the gift of prudence is lacking, really bad things happen. For example, one of the tragedies I think of Lincoln's assassination is that there was lacking afterwards this skill of political prudence. One of the things that Lincoln recognized was that political power involves the ability to coercively force people to do what you want because you can pass legislation. You have armies to enforce your will. But there's another power, the power of public sentiment. And that involves winning people's minds and winning their hearts. And if you try to use the power of coercion without having won people's minds and hearts, almost always unintended bad consequences will follow. So after what Lincoln was assassinated, uh, the North passed really, really good amendments to abolish slavery and to grant the rights of citizenship and voting to everybody regardless of race. However, the hearts of the people of the United States, and in particular in the South, were not one against the evils of racism. That That's a lot harder to do, and that was not done. And then the North did not have the will to keep soldiers in the South to enforce those laws. So what happened was at the end of Reconstruction by 1876 or so, um, uh, the North pulled their troops out, and then came Jim Crow, and for nearly a 100 years, lynching and uh, two separate sets of laws and oppression and cruelty and a kind of second form of slavery did unbelievable evil because uh, there was a lack of prudence. Prudence means I'm deeply committed to looking at reality, to accepting reality. It doesn't mean I accept, it doesn't mean I'm passive in my situation. It means I will navigate where I want to go. I will set goals. I will try to have foresight going into the future that are deeply based on an accurate understanding of reality. Now, where there's a lack of prudence, almost, almost always it's because I just give in to my emotion and I live in the pretense that things are the way that I want them to be rather than in the truth of how they actually are. And of course, ultimately, all reality lies in the hands of God. What is most real is God and his kingdom. So there's actually a close connection between prudence and providence. And to ask the question, God, where are you today? God, what are you doing today? And how can I be a part of what it is that you're doing? Is the most prudent thing that you can do. The most prudent advice that has yet been given to the human race is Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to you. Now that is simply prudence in its most impactful form. And interestingly enough, Lincoln, although he was not particularly orthodox in his theology, was a great exemplar of this. For example, um, when the uh, Civil War had been going on for some time, and uh, there was great anguish, and it wasn't clear how things were going to turn out. Lincoln at one point made a vow to God, and it had become clear to him that public sentiment about slavery had shifted enough, at least in the North. And the demands in the war uh, made it quite clear that the offer of emancipation had to be made. And so at one point, he actually prayed, and he said to God, if you will grant us victory— in the, the battle that would become known as Antietam, I will take that as an indicator that it is now time to move forward with the Emancipation Proclamation. When he told the cabinet that, because they did not regard him as a particularly religious guy, they were quite shocked. And Treasury Secretary Sam and Chase 
uh, asked him to repeat that. And so Lincoln said, yep, that's what I did. Now, here's what Guelza writes about this. Providence had always played a major role in the constitution of Lincoln's prudence. He told the journalist Noah Brooks that he thought it wise to wait for the developments of providence. And the scriptural phrase that the stars in their courses fought against Sisera to him had a deep breadth of meaning. Now we come back to that phrase. If you're a Bible person, of course, you know what that means. But just in case you don't, in the book of Judges, there is this very evil general named Sisera. He was with the Canaanites. He had 900 iron chariots. He, we're told, cruelly oppressed the Israelites to the point that the spoils of war included for every man one or two women. They just divided up the women of Israel amongst themselves to be used and uh, exploited and assaulted sexually or any other way. That's how cruel he was. And uh, eventually the Israelites defeated him. And in the song that celebrates that, by a woman general by the name named Deborah, and the woman who actually killed Sisera, uh, the most blessed of women, her name was Jael. She takes a tent peg and drives it through his temple while he's sleeping. It's a very, very graphic passage. But what we're told in Judges 5 is, from the heavens the stars fought. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. In the ancient world, they thought of the stars as being connected with these great powers. Moving things were living things. And so they thought of them as having great impact on earth. In Israel, they understood that God ruled the heavens like he does the earth, created the heavens like he does the earth. That became a poetic way for saying God was at work in the circumstances that were taking place there. And actually in the next verse, it says, the river Kishon swept them away. The age old river, the river Kishon, march on my soul, be strong. What's going on there is most likely the heavens opened up and there was a flood in this little river, the Kishon wiped away those 900 chariots in that flood. They were no longer of advantage. God was at work in reality. And Sisera's days were numbered. Lincoln, amazingly enough, was a student enough of the Bible that he knew that verse. And the stars fought against Sisera. Uh, he was uh, a great example of the ancient virg uh, virtue of prudence. A deep commitment to looking with unblinking courage and honesty and insight at reality. And then not being passive, but saying, I will chart my course, not only based on good intentions, but also what will be the best, most skillful, most courageous way to navigate reality, including other people and so. And that is a great gift to give, prudence. There's no wonder the ancients thought of it as an absolutely foundational character quality. So today, where can you exercise prudence? Where can you deeply be committed to seeking to discern how God is at work in the reality of your life and then take one prudent step forward? So think of a friend of mine who has somebody in his life who really needs to hear honest feedback that's courageous, even though they will resist it. And the prudent thing is to move forward to that conversation. I think of a friend of mine who uh, had the thought quite recently, I need in some area of my life to give help to another person who cannot pay me back. And the prudent thing is to move forward with that. I myself had a conversation just a couple days ago with a very wise friend who basically said, um, John, you have been living as though you're waiting for the next bad thing to happen and it's time to stop living that way. And I recognize that's exactly what I needed to hear. 
I have another friend facing a very, very difficult situation where he needs really good legal advice. It can be easy to resist that because you don't want to face the fact that you have options, decisions that you're going to have to make that could be painful. That's the prudent thing for him. Talked to a young person quite recently and asked, what are you doing in terms of savings? Quite vague on this, didn't know. Well, then the prudent thing is... Um, you know, go online, look at the bank balance, look at your 401k, figure it out whatever that is. Two words for you today. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. God is at work in the circumstances of this world. Reality is a God-based entity. The most prudent advice you will ever receive is seek first the kingdom. Seek it. What's God doing? What's he up to? How can you be a part of it? Be prudent. Change is coming. Hey, it's Tim. I'm the producer here at Become New. I wanted to let you know, if you'd like more resources or teaching from John, you can find it at our website, becomenew.com. Also, if you'd like to receive a text alert or the daily email that goes along with each video, let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. There's a group of us who meet each weekday, Monday through Friday, to pray over requests that are sent in from listeners. And so you can text us your prayer requests at the number 855-888-0444. We'll catch you next time.